Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and if I were to give this one a title, it would be The Good Kind of Sorrow. Now, I know that sounds like an impossibility, but it's a good one. Now, I want to tell you the story real quick before we move into this, and that is one time, and if you know my girls, I have two girls, and if you know my girls, you're probably going to be able to say immediately which one this was. And one of my daughters, she's very stubborn when she wants something, and she also loves to play that sympathy card, right? And one day, I forget now what it was. I just remember what, what happened. She had gotten in trouble. And at this particular time, we were my wife and I, we were trying to be very consistent on the fact that punishment was going to happen. You did something wrong. We were constantly trying to find the right types of punishments that would motivate our children. So we were going through a timeout season where you actually had to literally, like at school, you had to go sit in a corner. We were trying that. And I forget now what happened that was wrong. But whatever it was, that particular daughter had a timeout. And she had to go over here to this corner. And she couldn't play with the toys, couldn't do anything else. She just had to sit there. And, of course, this particular season, she was real little, maybe maybe four, I don't know. And it just broke her heart because, I mean, she's in trouble. That's the main thing. And she looked at me, and she said, Daddy. And finally, I was like, yes, baby, what is it? Do you see me, Daddy? Yes, baby, I see you. I'm the one that puts you in timeout. Do you see how sad I am, Daddy? <laughs> yes, I see how sad. Daddy, why do you want me so sad? <laughs> and and you ever have one of those moments where you find yourself about to reason with a four-year-old, knowing that she doesn't understand, but you feel obligated to reason anyway? I still remember looking at her, and she's giving me the biggest you know, pouty face she can. And I remember saying to her something along the lines of, Baby, the only reason why I want you sad is so that you'll never do this again. And she looked at me so confused because in her mind, the only thing was to be happy. How could being sad teach her to be happy? And I tried to explain to her that the reason why punishment happens is so that the next time you're about to do something bad, you think about that and go, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Well, I am here to report to you that lesson was not learned that day (laughs) because there were many days after that when we had to revisit the timeout chair, all right? And we're going to get into what we could have called this God's timeout chair, but we didn't, we're going to do that, the good kind of sorrow. We're going to get into that in just a moment, but as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are on our road to 1,000. We're getting there closer every day. Thank you so much for that. Leave us a five-star review on the podcast, and as always, We all rally together at the Bible Breakdown discussion on Facebook. Thank you so much for partnering with us. I love those. I look forward to reading them every day. I hope you do too. Make sure you let us know who you are because, man, the more we dig, the more we find, and we want to do it together. If you have your Bibles, want to open them up with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We're talking about this idea of the good kind of sorrow. And I also remember when I was a kid, and when I was a kid, I would get in trouble and pretty quickly, you know, I'm 6'1 right now, and I think I turned 6'1 when I like barely was a teenager. So I shot straight up and then didn't grow any taller after that. And so pretty quickly, I was taller than my dad. And so my dad, he had this wonderful idea, which was wonderful for him, not so much for me, that I'm going to put my son to work doing extra chores when he got in trouble. 
Well, I hated it. And at the time, I thought it was terrible. You know, free labor, you know, slave labor, all that kind of stuff. It wasn't until later in life I realized God, God was trying to teach me something by giving me a father who was trying to teach me something. I didn't realize the layers and the levels that was happening here. And so therefore, a lot of times when we go through difficult seasons in our life now as adults, if you're listening to this as an adult, for this to us as a kid, sup, it's good to see you. And we have these moments where we're like, God, why would you do this? Why would a loving God let me go through this? And here's the thing, there's a thousand reasons why. But sometimes the reason why is we could have called this God's timeout chair. Like, I'm going to let you experience some of the bad, you know, some of the consequences for your sin, not because I hate you, but because I don't ever want you to do this again. Maybe. Maybe there's another reason. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and see if God's word will tell us about sometimes why good godly sorrow can actually be a benefit in our life and that the God of all comfort, which is the idea of this overall book, may sometimes move in what we could call godly sorrow. So let's look at this together. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit. Let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God. Please open your hearts to us. We have not done wrong to anyone, nor led anyone astray, nor taken advantage of anyone. I'm not saying this to condemn you. I said this before that you were in my hearts, and we live and we die together for you. We live or die together for you. I have the highest confidence in you, and I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me and made me happy despite all of our troubles. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction, with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. But God, who encourages us, or encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you. When he told us about how you long to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me, I was filled with joy. I am not sorry that I sent you that severe letter, though I was sorry at first, for I know how painful it must have been for a little while. But now I'm glad that I sent it. Not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants for his people to have, so you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness of such concern to clear your conscience, yourselves, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, such a readiness to punish wrong. You show that you have done everything necessary to make things right. My purpose then was not to write about who did the wrong or who has wronged or who was wronged. I wrote to you so that in the sight of God, you could see for yourselves how loyal you are to us. We have been greatly encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him about how proud I was of you and how you didn't disappoint me. 
I have always told you the truth, and now my boasting to Titus has been proved true. Now he cares for you more than ever when he remembers the way you all obeyed him and welcomed him with such fear and deep respect. I'm very happy now because I have complete confidence in you. So what Paul is saying is that when Titus came to see me, he told me that when you read that other letter, man, you were so sorrowful because you realized you'd messed up. You realized you had sinned. He said, but that kind of sorrow, a sorrow that turns you toward the Lord, godly sorrow, is beautiful. He said, not that you know, being sad is good, it's what it leads to. It leads to repentance. He said it led to repentance. It led to clearing you know, yourselves. It led to indignation, in other words, sorrow over your sin. Alarm, in other words, we got to do this now. A longing to see Paul, who they loved, a zeal. He's like, all this stuff, a, a desire to get the bad stuff out of your life. He said, all that's beautiful, all that's good, all that's helpful. He said, worldly sorrow, sorrow that leads you away from God because it lacks repentance. It actually leads to spiritual death. That's why there's such a big difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation, you know, whenever you you do something wrong, let's say you sin in, in some kind of way, pick, pick your sin, right? Whatever that is, condemnation, which comes on you, it says you'll never be good enough. God will never forgive you. Let's draw away from God, like happened in the Garden of Eden. Let's draw away from God because God, you'll never be able to get close to God. That's condemnation. That leads you away from God. Conviction is that feeling you experience when you tell a lie, when you, whatever your sin is, and all of a sudden you feel that, that prick in your heart. Like, oh, I did something. And then it's, that was wrong. I don't need to do that again. I need to confess that to the Lord. I need to make restitution where possible. I need to get close to God so God can, can forgive me of this. That's conviction. Condemnation leads you away from God. Conviction leads you toward God. Here's the thing. They both feel the same. I don't know if everyone's ever told you this before, but here's the truth. When you lie, that's just as an example, when you lie, condemnation and conviction feel exactly the same. The difference is where they point you. Condemnation points you away from God. Conviction points you toward God. And so that's what people tell me. They're like, you know, Pastor, I, you know, I've, I've, I've sinned against the Lord and, and, and I just feel so terrible. So my question is always, well, what did you do with that sin? Well, I, I, I just didn't know what to do. Well, I'll tell you what you do. You confess it to the Lord. You know, you're, you confess it to the Lord. God, I'm so sorry. You bring it to him. I've had some people will say, you know, pastor, I just feel so bad. I've just sinned against God. Well, what did you do with that sin? Well, I asked him to forgive me, but I just still feel so bad. Well, if you still feel so bad, why do you think? Is that causing you, you feel like the need to go and make it right with that person that you sinned against? Or is there, is that sin, is it an addiction that, that, that God is reminding you that he's thankful you confessed it, but it's time to get rid of the sin? Or, or what is that sin le- or what is that feeling leading you to do? Oh, I just feel terrible. I just I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to go to church. I don't I don't want to be in Christian community. I just want to get away. Okay, well then that's not God. That's condemnation. Don't listen to that. But then people will say, well, it it makes me feel like I should go and talk to the person I lied to. It was really wrong. I shouldn't have done it. Or it makes me realize I need to let go of that sin. Well, that's conviction. So you get it? The feeling you have when you sin, condemnation and conviction feels the same. The difference is, what do you do with it? And so that's why sometimes I think it's a good thing when we get into God's timeout chair. Maybe that's what we're going to rename this. You know, God's timeout chair is because of where it leads. And that's why Paul is saying, I don't even feel bad that you felt bad because of what happened. And so God is the God of all comfort, which means then sometimes 
the bad feelings we feel when we sin is a great thing. God will allow us to feel bad when we sin. You know why? Because it's hoping, he's hoping that it leads to repentance. So here's the thing. When, let's say that right now you're in a, a season, you're in a cycle, you're struggling with an ongoing sin. Every time you sin, you feel terrible, you feel awful. But that awful feeling leads you back to God. And every time you're saying, God, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I, I, I know I said I wasn't going to do it again, but I did. I'm bringing it to you. I'm so sorry. And that feeling continues for a little while. And you wonder, why do I still feel so bad? Well, let me go ahead and tell you right now. You might be in God's timeout chair. God may be letting you feel the ongoing sorrow so that it reminds you that that thing is going to come back. And so instead of just being like, ah, it's never going to happen again and falling prey to it again, maybe God is letting you feel that sorrow to say, hey, it's time to not play with this anymore. It's time to not hope for the best. It's time to put some discipline in your life. It's time to open up to some people around you. It's time to, whatever it is you got to do. Maybe God's got you in the timeout chair, not because he hates you, but it's because he's more interested in your freedom than you are. He's willing to let you feel that sorrow until you take a next step. Or... It could be condemnation telling you you're never going to be free. God's never going to forgive you, whatever. It all depends on where it's pointing you. So I hope you never sin again. (laughs) But if you do, I want you to think for a moment. And as you're turning it over to God, ask yourself the question, this feeling I have, this, this, ugh, that I got to get rid of, where is it pointing me? And think for a moment. And if it's drawing you to God, it's conviction. Run to the Father. His arms are open wide. And he wants to wash away your sin so you can be free and unashamed in his presence. But if that is causing you to reach away from him, then to realize that's not the Lord. And that will help you understand the difference between the enemy trying to discourage you and the Holy Spirit drawing you closer to himself. Because God is the God of all comfort. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. Thank you that you're with us and you're for us in every way. My prayer today is, God, is to realize that you're an active participant in our journey toward freedom. And that one of the ways that you guard us and you guide us in our life is through wonderful success, wonderful feelings of joy, but sometimes through seasons of sorrow. Seasons of sorrow when we have sin patterns in our life and you are committed to our freedom. And so you'll let us experience the sorrow, not so that we can be discouraged, but so that we can turn toward you and make the decisions for freedom. I pray that you'll help us to see those things in the light of your goodness. If it's sorrow coming from the enemy, that we will not give it a moment's thought. But if it's sorrow that leads us toward you, that we will embrace it for what it is so that we can embrace freedom through repentance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, don't forget, God's word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, God is the source of all comfort. And he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. How have you received the comfort from the Lord today? And how can you give comfort to someone else? I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Thank you.